0: In Jesus' name, amen. I firmly believe that when it comes to the future, none of us thinks neutrally. Uh, Everyone here today has thoughts, opinions, maybe even predictions for what the future will bring. And and so what I would like to do to start our time is for us to do a little self-evaluation, a little uh, self-assessment if we can today. You don't have to talk to your neighbor or raise your hand. But I would like you to answer this simple question today. When you think about the future, whether it's the future of your career or your community, the future of your church or your country, or maybe the future of your family, when you think about the future, whatever that means to you, what do you feel inside? What emotions come? What is your your instant gut reaction when you think about the future? I I would guess that that we probably would have a variety of answers to that, right? There are probably some things in our lives that we are excited for, that we can't wait for, whether it's Christmas or the birth of a grandchild. I would guess that there are other things looming in the future that, that we uh, maybe are a little uncertain about, a little uneasy over, maybe even things about the future that, that scare us. I, I believe that generally speaking, when it comes to the future and our thoughts and opinions about it, uh, what we think about the future we could say broadly falls into two categories. We either think positively about the future, we're excited about it, or we think negatively, we're we're uneasy. We either look to to the future with with hope or fear. Now, we're going to talk a lot about hope today and the Christian hope that we have, the gift of hope that is ours this Christmas. But I would like to start to talk about fear because I, I would think that uh, maybe more than a few of us here today, have some area uh, of our future, whether it's the future of our career, community, church, or country, or family, that there's something in the future that that causes us to be afraid. Uh, maybe for you, you look at the country that we live in and the changes that are coming, and there are things happening, values changing, laws being passed that, that you're unsure of, that make you feel uneasy, that maybe uh, downright scare you. Maybe you look to the future of your family and you wonder what kind of world your kids or your grandkids are going to grow up in and there's something about that that, that scares you. Maybe you look at nuclear proliferation or global warming, something out there that, that causes you to be anxious and, and afraid. Many of us, I would think, have lots of fears about the future, and, and yet I would guess for most of us, it, it hasn't always been that way. If you're here today with lots of things to be afraid of in the future, I, I would guess that you can think back to a time in your life where most of those fears were actually at one point, maybe it was a long time ago, hopes. I, I know that most of us, when we're young, we're very hopeful, aren't we? Uh, I know that I was a hopeful kid, I had hopes and dreams that I would become an NBA superstar. I had hopes that I was going to own my own restaurant and be a magician that wowed crowds. I thought I was going to work for a newspaper or write award-winning novels. When I was a child, I had all sorts of hopes, and maybe you did too. Maybe you can remember sitting in your room hoping and and dreaming maybe uh, what your fairy tale wedding was going to be like, or you were young, 19 years old, and, and you had hopes as a young college student that you were going to, to change the world and make it a, a better place to live in. Many of us, when we're young, we are filled with, with hopes and dreams for the future. We think very positively, and yet over time, maybe we're wondering here today, well, well how, did, how did that happen? How did I go from a place of hope to a place of, of fear? There's probably a lot of reasons for it, but I, I think the first thing we could say is, is that it doesn't happen overnight, does it? We don't go to sleep one night, a hope-filled 19-year-old, thinking we're going to change the world and wake up the next day full of anxiety and fear. It, it, it takes a long time for most of us. It's a it's a slow drip. And again, there's a lot of reasons uh, for it, but, but I would say that The two of the reasons that I would like to touch on today for why our hopes have turned into anxiousness or fear, the the two reasons are this. The first reason why many of us are fearful today rather than, than hopeful is because we are hoping for something that is too petty. Uh, we could also say many of us, our hopes and our dreams are much too small. What we're hoping for is too small. And, and maybe an obvious example of this is, is the person whose number one hope, their ultimate hope, is to gain their 15 minutes of fame, right? They want to be a reality TV star, they, they, they want to have uh, 10,000 followers on YouTube, and, and I think we can recognize that if that's your ultimate hope, if that's the number one thing you're hoping for, your hope is probably too small, it's, it's too petty. It might not be a bad thing, but if that's number one, then we have a problem, and, and the problem is, all too often, when our hopes are too small and too petty, what happens is, even if we reach those hopes, even if we get what we want and our, our dreams come true, we recognize how unfulfilling that is, how empty it feels, and, and that it doesn't give us the future we, we thought it would. And, and so then slowly over time, those, those petty hopes, those small hopes, they, they lead to a bleak future, maybe a future filled with fear. Uh, the other problem with our hopes is not what we're hoping for, but what we're hoping in. You see, every time we hope for something, we're also hoping in something. So, for example, if you're hoping for a better country in the future, then your hope might be in our politicians to fix their problems. And I would argue then your hope is in someone, something that is too weak. Uh, uh, Likewise, your hope could be for a better family, uh, for everyone to get along, everyone to play nice. And if that's the case, your hope might be in yourself. You might be trying to play super mom or super dad and get everyone to get along. You're, you're trying to coordinate everything. And, and if your hope is in yourself, then I would argue your hope is in something too weak, too small. Likewise, your, your hope uh, might be in or, or, or for a comfortable retirement. And in that case, your hope might be in your bank account or your hope might be in Um, your pension plan or your 401k again your your hope is in something too weak it can't deliver what it promises it can't give you what you're looking for Uh, too often our hopes are for something too small too weak too petty and they're in something too small too weak and when that happens over time the, the hope is drained from us and our hopes well they turn to fear And yet, brothers and sisters, we are not called to be fearful about the future. If anything, we are called to be hope-filled people. Again, it's one of the gifts of Christmas highlighted in our Advent wreath that we're taking a look at for the next few weeks. Uh, Hope is a gift from God. Hope is everywhere in the scripture. And God calls us to look to the future, not with fear, but with uh, excited anticipation. We are called to look forward to the days and the years ahead with with joy and, and confidence and and maybe some of you are wondering today, well, how is that possible with everything going on? With the cancer that comes and, and, and the bills that I have to pay and with Christmas parties looming, with family that doesn't play nice, how, how can I have hope for the future? And, and I want to suggest for you uh, three ways, three reasons why as Christians we can have hope, even as we sit here today in the broken worlds that we do. And, and the first reason why we can have hope as Christians is today is because God has given us something to hope for that is not weak or small or petty. Unlike our hopes to, to gain the next 15 minutes of fame or to win the lottery or whatever our small hopes w- could be, our God has given us something bigger and greater and grander than we could ever imagine. We, we heard about it today in our reading from Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 where, where Paul said, uh, For I am certain, I am sure, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is reminding us today that one day Jesus will come back and and put together all the broken pieces and and heal every disease and fix every problem. One day, the, the work that God has began in us through faith as he forgives us, through baptism as he washes us, through his supper where he feeds us. One day, that that work that God has begun in each and every one of you today, he will see through to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. We have hope for an eternity of bliss, an an eternity of of no more sickness, an eternity of no more sin. God has given us something bigger and greater and grander to hope for than we could ever imagine. And so the reason why we have hope as as Christians and the reason why we don't have to lose hope is because we have this this massive hope looming uh, before us. Uh, the second reason why we have hope as Christians is because of what our hope is in. Our hope in, in, as Christians is not in ourselves to fix our problems. You don't have to be super mom or super dad for your family. Our, our hope is not in our politicians to finally get together and, and cross the aisle and solve the problem, problems. Our, our hope is not in our bank accounts or in our ability to accumulate stuff. No, our hope, as you know, is in Jesus. Because our hope is in Jesus, the one who created the world and redeemed the world, we can be confident, as Paul says, we can be certain and sure that God will bring us the hope-filled future that we long for. So we have hope because, because of what we're hoping for, a big, grand, great hope. We have hope because, because of what our hope is in, because our hope is in Jesus. And the, the third reason why I believe that we have hope today, why we can look forward with confidence and joy and assurance, is Christmas. We have hope for that eternity of bliss because of what God did some 2,000 years ago and, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, I am not very much at all of a car guy. Uh, I don't know about cars. I couldn't fix a car. Uh, I don't really particularly care very much about cars. Uh, I have my own temptations, but, but being tempted after a, a fancy car is, is not one of them. I, I barely know what kind of car I drive. It's just not something that uh, interests me, uh, with one exception. There's one car recently that has caught my attention, and that is a Tesla. I would love to own a Tesla uh, for a lot of reasons. First, uh, they run on electric, so not having to go to the gas station, uh, that, that interests me. But even more than that, a uh, Tesla's promise the hope for Tesla, as their founder Elon Musk has said, in a few years, in just a couple years, they, they have promised that you will be able to get in a Tesla, close the door, tell it where you want to go, and then just sit back, read a book, watch a movie, fiddle on your phone, and that car will take you to wherever you want to go. My, my hope is that the, the next car I have will just drive itself. We'll see if that comes true. I would, I would love to have a Tesla. The only problem is the Tesla I would like is way out of my price range. Uh, If I were to walk into a a Tesla dealership today and ask to to leave with a car, just ask for the keys, uh, they would probably look at my bank statements, how much I earn, student loans, all the the things like that. And they they didn't laugh me out of there. They would probably politely tell me that I should find a, a more affordable alternative. Unless unless I walked into that Tesla dealership with a hefty down payment, right? If I walked into a Tesla dealership with $20,000 check in my hand and said, hey, look at this, here you go, down payment, then maybe then they would hand over the keys because that down payment would show that I got some skin in the game, that I was uh, willing to, to make this financial sacrifice to own this car, that, that despite the difficulties, I was good for it. I wasn't just going to walk away from 20000 but that, but that would be an encouragement to me to, to keep my word. If I showed up with a, a hefty down payment, they might hand over the keys. And see, the reason why we have hope for the future is because of Christmas. Because Christmas is our down payment on hope. When, when Jesus showed up into our midst, into our brokenness, born in, in a humble major, taking on flesh, that was God's way of saying, I'm good for it. <laughs> I'm not just going to walk away. Look at how much I've invested in you. I, I, I came here and I lived with you and for you. I died for you and I rose for you. And if I did all that for you, if I made that down payment, then you can be confident and sure that the, that the hope-filled future that awaits you will become yours, that I will see it through. God has made a down payment on his love so that we can be confident that he is coming again. If he came once, he'll certainly come again. Or, or here's another way you can think about it. Uh, some of you here today, many of you here today are parents. And uh, I would guess, because I, I know this is a, a common thought, I would guess at some point your kids came to you and, and they wanted nothing more than a puppy, and they put on their best puppy dog faces, right? They tried to look as cute as they could, and they cut out pictures from magazines with cute puppies that they, that they hid in the shower or underneath your pillow so that everywhere you looked, there were cute puppies, and they said, Mom, Dad, can we please have a puppy? Please, please, please. And your first thought was, I really want a puppy. <laughs> They're cute. Look at how cute they are. And, and yet, because you we were a good parent, what you said was, no way, Get a h- uh, take a hike, get out of here, we're not getting a puppy, because as much as you wanted one, you, you knew in the back of your mind that you were going to be doing all the work, right? Uh, your, your kids promised you that they would take care of it, that they would clean up after it, that they would feed it and, and walk it, they, they said all that, but you knew that that was an impossibility, right? And so when they asked for a puppy, you said, no way, but they kept on cutting out the pictures of the puppies and every morning there's another one that you wake up to and they're so cute and your kids are cute. And, and so eventually you br- they, they break you down and eventually you say, okay, uh, we can get a puppy if for one month you do all of your chores. If you clean your room, if you take out the trash... If you do everything we tell you to for one whole month and we never have to ask you, we never have to nag you, if you can prove that you can do the impossible, then, maybe then, we'll get a puppy. You see, again, that's, that's kind of how our Christmas works. God has proven to us that he can and will do the impossible that he will wipe out sin once and for all, as impossible as it seems, that he will come again here to this messed up world, that he will continue to love us despite our sin and our rebellion against him. What what seemed like an impossibility, God proved on Christmas that he is willing to do. He he proved that he is a God of his word, that he doesn't just make empty promises that he's not going to see through, but but for centuries, centuries, you all know, God promised Christmas, didn't he? It began with Adam and Eve in the garden. As soon as they fell, God, God promised a savior, continued with Abraham and, and the prophets. And then on Christmas, that, that promise was kept. And if God kept that promise, he proved to us that that his word was good. And because of Christmas, we can be sure that his promise of a better tomorrow, a, a hope-filled future, a, an eternity of bliss and joy, that that is ours because of the down payment of Christmas. Uh, brothers and sisters, as we close here today, uh, I hope that you are thankful and appreciate this Advent season we're in. It, it really is a gift. Uh, it's a time for us for pretty much a whole month, almost a whole month, to reflect upon the greatest gift we have ever received. And, and not only to reflect on it, but also to prepare our hearts. As we've been talking about, Advent is a time of preparation, of of uh, spring cleaning, if you will, of our hearts to, to make room and get ready for for our Savior. And there's a lot of things that we do around here to prepare us for Advent. We put up decorations, we we light the candles, we sing our songs. But uh, today, I would like to suggest one thing that all of us can do this week uh, to prepare our hearts for the hope of Jesus we have received. So maybe this can be your assignment today. Uh, Go home when you leave here and whether it's on a scratch paper, paper or a journal that you keep, I would encourage you, write down everything that you hope for. Uh, And and maybe this would look like some of your hopes. Maybe you have uh, hopes for career advancement or peace for your family or get a raise, uh, another Cubs World Series, travel to Europe. All of these are good and valid hopes and and maybe you would write many of them down. Uh, But but my prayer is that you would take this season of Advent to do a a little rearranging, reprioritization of your hopes and that you would remember what your number one hope is. To take your number one hope wherever it is in that mix and put it back on the top to remember that our number one hope in the midst of everything else is that Jesus will come again to restore and renew all things. We all hope for so many different things uh, but praise be to God that he has given us something to hope for that is bigger and greater and grander than any of us could possibly imagine. That, that he has given us someone to hope in that, that can deliver what he has promised. Praise be to God for the down payment of our hope, the gift of Christmas, where God proved just how much he loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.